and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. What in the good name of Glenn Michibata is going on in tennis in this country? Since 2014 Wimbledon, only one country has had six different Grand Slam semifinalists. Three men, three women. You know what country that is? It's Canada. It's our home and native land. It's Canada. Layla Felix through to the semis. Oh, that's not all. Canada is on a heater right now, and the beauty is it's not just tennis. Soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, big game tonight. And it's right here on Sportsnet. Larry Walker in the Hall of Fame. Shout out Maple Ridge. And what in the good name of Shannon Stewart is going on with these Blue Jays? Last night, Jesse, everything, everything went completely right for the Toronto Blue Jays and their fans. And when have you ever been able to say anything like that? Jays beat Garrett Cole for the sixth straight win. And their ninth in ten games. Oh, but that's not all. The Red Sox lose to Tampa. Seattle loses to Houston. And the A's lose to the White Sox. No, no need to rub your eyes, Jays fans. What you are seeing in the wild card standings is real. And it's spectacular. And it's been happening for a couple days now. I mean, look at this run. Jays and everyone around them. are now two and a half back of the Yankees. Two more to play in the Bronx starting tonight on Sportsnet. And they are just two back of the Red Sox, who are not only dealing with a COVID outbreak, but they're in the midst of six straight against division leaders. So you're telling me there's a chance? Yeah! Hell to the yeah, there's a chance. Two back with 25 to play. The naysayers. Oh, Jesse, we heard from them. The doomsdayers telling me on Twitter. Tim and friends goes to the old Twitter machine and posts panic button or make a relax. And what did I get? Ah, it's over, McAuliffe. My friends, like Corey, it's official. Blue Jays are eliminated from the 2021 MLB postseason. That's right, Corey. How about Rye Numbers? <laughs> Way past panic, bro. <laughs> it's over since they lost the Angels series. My guy Smelly Smells, of course. Nothing to panic about. Season's already done. How about your boy Big T Balls, Jesse? Safe to say we can skip the panic button at this point and go straight to pack button. As in pack your bags. Put a fork in this season. Because it's goodbye, Charlie. We hope. It's done. Chris, the overrated Blue Jays are going nowhere. Buy your jerseys, or buy your at Yankees jerseys. They don't disappoint every year like the crappy Jays. Or how about August 20th? Jays lose 4-1. Tough one. In 10 to Detroit. Remember the Friday night they lost a 4-1 game in 10 innings to Detroit, Jesse? It was a tough one, right? The end of the world, yep. Yeah, it was. But it, honestly, like before you get to what the reaction was, it was a really tough loss. Yes. 
I tweeted out one of the toughest regular season losses. Real interested to see how this group responds. <laughs> Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Vince. Done. Finito. Hashtag. Same old story. There's also a, uh, an emoji there of a smiling face. Daniel, my guy. LOL. They just lost two games to the Nats before this game. But hey, I'm real interested in how this group response take is laughable. Oh, yeah? He's got an extra space there between take and is, too. Proofread that <laughs> Are next you, time. Uh, you upset at spacing? I'm just saying, like, the, the rest of it looks good, but just that one little I think space. sometimes when you're, when you're pissed, yeah, you, you got to get it out mistakes. there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you will make mistakes. That happens. Uh, Jeff the Egg, <laughs> the fat lady has sung. It's over. There's no automatic playoff for the funnest team. Get rid of the home run jacket. Yada, yada, yada. Now, I'm not reading all these tweets to dunk on any of these people. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I'm saying it to prove how amazing sports can be. They still might not make the playoffs. Kevin Garnett screamed it a decade ago. Anything is possible. And yet we still fall for the same old traps. And I'm loving it, Jesse. I'm not dunking on anyone. I am saying there is a reason for the bandwagon. Hop on and off at your own leisure and or leisure. But this bandwagon is rolling again, kids. And for a long time, this bandwagon... Is that Alec Manoa driving the bandwagon? Oh, yeah. Is that because he's going tonight? Yeah. Starting tonight against the Yankees. Blue Jays, Nona. I miss the dude. I don't know if he's still drumming out in front. He is really good at his job. Oh, you know, it's an all-time. Thank you. And you too. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you too. Right. We're, we're both terrible mouth drummers. I actually used to be a drummer. High what? school. High school, I was a drummer. Not it, high school. Elementary it, school. It, it seemed like you had absolutely no rhythm and didn't know what you were doing. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. I didn't say it was good. It uh, was elementary school. That bandwagon that you just saw roll by, that's not big enough. The Jays keep on winning. We're going to have to expand this bad boy a wee bit. Something like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> something, <laughs> something like that. That may be it very, very soon. You can always get through a wall if somebody gives you a door, and the Jays have been given a door, and I am here for it. Like, is this not the epitome of why you love sports? Because let's be honest, we're going to get into this in a flash. It looked like it was over. Fangraphs had him at what? Four, four point two percent at one yeah, point. At one point, yeah. It was bleak. It, bleak. I mean, Memphis bleak. It, it's it's. You made a good point. You're not dunking on these people, but you're you're proving the point that anything can happen. And the fact of the matter was, it was a very big long shot that they would be in this position when they lost that game to the Tigers or when they lost to the Orioles or the Nationals. Long way to go, and this is where we are now. Right. When it's not done, it's not done. Yeah. Although you can play some percentages and figure it out, but this is why we love sports. More Jays in a flash. First things first, Jesse, standing by on his final day before the bachelor party. Oh, goodness me. Not that I'm jealous or anything. Also standing by, Justin Dunk on the CFL a day after Labor Day. John Fox, former NFL coach, one of just four to win an AFC and an NFC championship. He'll drop by to preview the NFC West to Rashmadani from Yankee Stadium. Glenn Grunwall on this his final day as the head of Canada basketball. James Sharman from BMO ahead of a huge match between Canada and El Salvador that you can see once again 730 Eastern on Sportsnet 1. 
jam-packed show just for you on this. They want me to bring up this Alfonso Davies Instagram post. Are you down with this? I don't know what I do with this. I think it's been erased. Thomas Dobby, has the Instagram post been erased? It's been erased. It's been deleted. So Alfonso Davies uh, went to Instagram earlier today and took a fantastic shot of himself walking in what looks to be uh, some sort of mall, maybe. Oh, it's in front of Armani, too. Look at that. Ooh. It's a fancy mall. Nice. So the, the caption goes, they won't realize how big a part you play until you're not there anymore. Now, everyone goes crazy. And we can't get the emoji because we didn't have that emoji, but it's the peace emoji. It's the peace sign emoji. But the way we package this for television purposes, we couldn't get that emoji. No big deal. It's the peace sign emoji. And everyone starts going bananas. Team Canada folks saying, is he talking about Canada? Is the absolute wonder kid that has been Canada's best player anytime he's suited up for Canada? Is he pissed off at Canada that he's not playing? There's Bayern Munich folks saying, oh, is this about us because we're not letting him play? <laughs> so everyone's Everyone's, everyone's panicking. <laughs> and all I could think about was this response to Sid Sixero's tweet earlier today Uh-oh. wondering why he did it. And it's just famous person tweets and then an overreact button. Like, I, I don't know what the hell to make of it. I know a lot of people are talking about it, so we brought it up on the show. Okay. But okay. the fact that it's been erased means that it means nothing. What? There was someone tagged on it, some Tremaine Boatang. Like, I'm, I'm not good enough at this. I don't know what the hell it means. Why do famous people do this, though? Why, why are they always so cryptic? Like, you're not cryptic on Twitter. I don't think I'm cryptic on Twitter. Like, why is it only famous people that are super cryptic? But that might not be cryptic to someone who's reading it. That might be, like, smash your face obvious to a couple of people. Yeah, but... Like, that- maybe the person who was tagged on it. Yeah. Ooh. What? Breaking news. What? Sidney Crosby undergoes successful wrist procedure today. Okay, yeah. We were talking about... Sideline for days. a minimum of six weeks. Okay, uh-huh. sorry. Sorry. They, I, I, I know what you're being talked to. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, what Sidney Crosby had, he's out successful, six weeks. Successful, he's out six weeks. Totally okay, fine. We okay, can do, back, we, no, uh, back to Davies. We can multitask. No, no, back to Davies. Okay. That's surgery we didn't know about. If, if two people are looking at Alfonso Davies' Instagram post and they understand what it means, that's cryptic. Is it not? But it doesn't ha- like, not everything has to be for you. This is 2021. Like, everything everyone does has to be for you or you get upset about it. It doesn't have to be. It, like, when I saw it, I get why some point. people, you, you agree that, with that? That's a, that's a really good point. It, it, I mean, it's true. Like, why, why should we care? Like, why, why should we care? If because he, you think it might be, be about you. Right, right. That's why you care. Well, not me. But you don't know. Not me, not you, but maybe Team Canada. Maybe Team Canada, and Team Canada has struggled in the past to get the best players to play for them. This is the best player. He's playing for them. So I understand why a bunch of Canadians are a little bit worried right now. (laughs) I understand. But it doesn't mean what you think it has to mean. I mean, good for him for deleting it, basically. Because he he he, caused a stir? Yeah, he, he saw it, and he saw the comments immediately. And, I mean, he casted a wide net, right? Because there were five different groups of people that were possibly offended by it. So he's like, okay, I don't want to just offend everybody with one Instagram post. I might as well just get rid of this. And obviously it wasn't in time. It wasn't in time because no, we were talking about it. There was 116,000 likes in 56 minutes. 
That's the kind of power that this kid has. Yes, okay. 116,000 likes in 56 minutes. More breaking news, and this is on the topic. Okay. Alfonso Davies just tweeted. Oh, he just tweeted. tweeted. They captioned. Not Instagram, not post. Just tweeted. Okay. And it is about the Instagram. The caption was just the caption. Please don't read into it. I fully support the national team, and there are no issues. I wish I could be there with the team tonight to represent my country. It's disappointing, but I can't wait to be back on the pitch with them in October. Are we okay now? Can we all take a deep breath, or is that just a PR special one-on-one? Are you good with that? I wonder what Sid Sixero, who tweeted out, Alfonso Davies, hours before Canada El Salvador, posted on IG his support for the guys tonight at BMO. Just (laughs) kidding, he did this instead. And then post, they won't realize. I, I, <laughs> listen, I think he was talking to someone specific and then realized the dual meaning and erased it. And hopefully I'm right. Yeah. Hopefully for Canada, I don't even care that much about Bayern Munich. I think for Canada and the Canadian men's national team, this would hurt a lot if he was pissed off at the squad. So does Sid have to go delete his tweet now? As a response to Alfonso Davies deleting his Instagram and then responding I, I on Twitter? Not, I am not going to attempt in okay, any way, yeah, shape, sure. or form. I spent 17 years attempting to regulate Sid Sixero. I am not doing it again. Let's kick off the festivities. <laughs> Ruby Biggie, first things first. Let's go. First things first. first. All right. Enough Davies for now. <laughs> Let's go to the Toronto Blue Jays, and you mentioned it. Everything is coming up Blue Jays these days. Tonight they look to keep the momentum going and make it seven straight wins as Alec Manoa takes on Yankees pitching prospect Luis Gill. Two games back of the Red Sox and two and a half back of the Yankees. What does the Jays' path to the playoffs realistically look like from here, to me? Let me, uh, let me just give you the... Luis Heel. This Heel, is right. this is a big time Yankees Heel. prospect. Fourth player. Uh, I didn't know about him until he made the majors and hasn't given up a run. So I learned quickly today <laughs> by going Heel. onto YouTube and playing it to make sure that it is. Uh, we'll see if he plays Heel tonight to the Ooh, Toronto Blue Jays. Nice. Uh, I had the line and I needed to get there. Yeah. And when you said Gill, I thought that was I'll a bleep. perfect opportunity. <laughs> I teed it up. No, we planned that. We played that. We can be honest. Listen. Uh, <laughs> The Jays and Red Sox are even in the loss column. And when you consider what the Red Sox are up against in the next week, it feels like to me, okay, it's a feel-good story. They are chugging along. They are playing really good baseball, nine of their last ten. But it feels like to me, with these two pitching matchups, Manoa should be favored against Heal, although Heal's been really good in his limited time in the major leagues. And then closing with Berrios, I feel like, or Barrios, oh. I feel like, yeah, correct my pronunciation. Nice. Yeah. nice. <laughs> uh, it feels like the Jays should be favored in both of these games, even if they take three or four. With the Boston Red Sox schedule the way it is, they've got one more with Tampa, then they've got three with the Chicago White Sox, and then they get the Seattle Mariners before six more with the Baltimore Orioles, the Mets, and the Yankees, and the Nationals. Mm-hmm. But the next couple games, the next seven games, all against teams above 500, and the Jays get the Orioles next. I feel like it's time to make hay. And I'm not, like, this isn't me demanding something of the squad. I feel like going into the end of the season, the Jays might need a little bit of breathing room. 
So they need to keep the foot on the gas and get as many wins as they possibly can. And all those games that we were talking about off the top of the show against the Nationals, against the Tigers, they need to make those games back by winning everything in front of them. And they've done that basically for a week. They need to continue to do that and put Boston behind the eight ball. They're two games back right now. By the end of the week, the Jays should be even with the Red Sox yes. if they want to stay in a wild card spot. Well, this is exactly what happens when a team puts it all together. And we've been consistent the entire time in that this team is incredibly talented and they need to get hot for them to get back into the race. And what you've seen is they are incredibly hot right now. Nine of ten. And the offense is clicking again. 56 runs in the last eight games. The pitching is out of control. So you look at last night's game. And that was the big one. They had the stopper, the Yankees did, and Garrett Cole being on yeah. the mound. Steven Matz. And I know he's been great, but if you're looking at that pitching matchup before the game, it's a mismatch. The Yankees are favored. The Yankees are favored. And it could be the end of the Jays' streak, and then a little bit of the momentum goes away. But you said it. Every single thing that could have went right for the Blue Jays last night went right. And there are basically, with the addition now, I should mention Julian Mer Merriweather is active tonight for the Jays. They are getting additions to the bullpen. Yeah. And with the pitching staff being the way that they've been for the last couple of months and the offense, Simeon, Vladdy, Alejandro Kirk has been a revelation for this team. Two homers last night. There are very few weaknesses for a team that is playing the best baseball they've played all year at the right time. Okay, so 25 games remaining. To get to 91 wins, the Jays would still have to go 16-9. So they still have to play at a pretty impressive clip. We've been making fun of slash talking about POF discrepancies for, I don't know, like the past month. Here's where they stand right now, and it's kind of amusing to me. Baseball reference has them at 46.7%. You and I were talking about baseball reference at 4%, like, <laughs> what, a week and a half ago? Mm -hmm. Two weeks ago? Fangrass is at 31%, and ESPN is at 25.9%. So there's a huge discrepancy between ESPN and baseball reference. But what we said at the start of all this, I think we said it was 21-9 and nine that they had to go. Yep. To get to 91 wins? Well, guess what? Because you rifled off that streak, you're now at 16-9. and nine to get to 91 wins. And this is where the Jays have put themselves. It's still, they still got to play great baseball, but with the way Boston's playing and what they're up against, man, they could be in a playoff spot by the end of the week. Which is Crazy. remarkable. Remarkable considering where they were. Uh, Mariners and Astros playing this afternoon, by the way. That's 4-4 uh, in the bottom of the eighth, unless I haven't updated my screen. And update. No, it's accurate. Good. It's accurate. Taking a little while. There it is. 4-4, okay. bottom of the eighth. So the Mariners also in that little glut of teams you need to lose while you're winning. There will be no George Springer in the lineup tonight. I mentioned Julian Merriweather reinstated, reinstated from the 60-day IL and will be active tonight. Brian Baker optioned to AAA. And Anthony Kay placed on the COVID-related IL as well. There's your uh, lineup for tonight. A lot of people uh, saw that. Also, the Julian May Merriweather, like, can I just add this to the Pearson thing? Like, yeah. he's thrown, they were brilliant, but he's thrown four and a third innings in the bigs this year. Like, I don't know what you can expect from Julian Merriweather. I know it's another arm. I know it's 
uh, a bullpen that has needed a ton of help. Mm -hmm. um, in his three AAA rehab outings, he allowed three runs, five hits. He did have five Ks in those three outings. So it looks like there's, there's a little jump, there's a little giddy-up in the fastball to yeah. get the five Ks, but like, don't think that he's going right into high-leverage situations. Yeah, start him slow. You're gonna, it's like Nate Pearson. Nate Pearson got his first outing in a very low leverage situation. Hopefully you build to a spot where, I don't know, you're in a wild card game and then you can lean on guys like that mm -hmm. in a leverage spot. But just give him a little bit of time here. Let's not forget he has only thrown four and a third innings worth of big yeah. league work this yeah. year. And the Jays' bullpen was able to lock it down last night. Soria getting a double play to end his inning, Meza yep. and Romano, so it looks like they may have figured something out on the back end of the bullpen, and the additions of Pearson and Merriweather are huge, no doubt. Um, we will have a Rash Madani coming up from Yankee Stadium with interviews a little bit later in the show and much more on the Jays coming up. But to the 2020 class of the Baseball Hall of Fame that was being inducted into Cooperstown today, a year late, of course, Derek Jeter headlines the class which also includes Ted Simmons and Marvin Miller, former head of the MLBPA. But the big story in this country is Maple Ridge, B.C.'s Larry Walker hey. becoming just the second Canadian inducted into the Hall of Fame. I am Canadian. A couple of years ago, I fell short in the voting. And I don't do much on social media, but I did one of those hashtag things on Twitter. And it read, Fergie needs a friend. I was, of course, referring to Ferguson Jenkins, who was the only Canadian in Cooperstown. Today, I finally get to join Fergie as the second Canadian in the Hall of Fame and the first Canadian position player. Fergie, it's an honor. Compared to the men sitting behind me, I did not play much ball growing up. We didn't have high school baseball or any serious travel ball. I played no more than 15 to 20 baseball games a summer until I was 16. But I did play lots of fast-pitch softball on the Maple Ridge Lanes team with my dad and my three brothers, all wearing the same uniform. That was probably when my brothers would tell me they taught me everything I know about baseball. Some of my earliest memories included mom sitting in the stands cheering while we all played. My mom, Mary, my dad, Larry, and my brothers, Barry, Carrie, and Gary, the rhyming family. I share this honor with every Canadian, and I hope that all you Canadian kids out there that have dreams of playing in the big leagues, that see me here today, gives you another reason to go after those dreams. Yeah, here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how cool is that? Here, here. What a cool. Very cool to see, and it's amazing to see how far. And you know that I'm kind of sort of in the baseball world with kids these days. Yes. My 11-year-old plays, and to see how it's different from when I played to what it is now, the lineage you can draw back to that dude. Like, I think that if you asked Joey Votto, and if you, I mean, just look at the, 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 um, the amount of BC kids, the amount yes. of BC boys who have moved on to the major leagues that call, uh, you know, BC home, I think they can draw a straight line to Larry Walker and what he was able to achieve at the big leagues despite playing only 15 to 20 baseball games yeah. a summer <laughs> compared to Americans these days. The kids are playing like 100 or so games a summer. Like, it's ridiculous. But to see how far baseball has come in this country, I think you can draw a straight line. Uh, I mean, Fergie's there too. Amazing. Fergie, 
Larry Walker and a bunch of position players, a bunch of MVPs, like Justin Morneau, Joey Votto. I think if you asked him, they'd say watching Larry. If you can see it, you can be it. Watching Larry Walker be one of the best players of a generation made others feel like in this country they could do it too. Yeah. Um, Joey Votto probably going to be there one day. Yeah, probably going to be there one day too. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, tennis. We will hear from Jeter and what he had to say a little bit later. Tennis Canada is having quite a run at the U.S. Open after another shocking upset for Leila Fernandez yesterday. Felix Oje Aliassime followed it up, becoming the first Canadian man to ever reach the U.S. Open semis, winning the first set against Carlos Alcaraz before the 18-year-old was forced to retire. Leila and Felix will now both face the number two seeds, Ariana Sabalenka and Daniil Medvedev, in their semi-final matchups. Who's got the best shot to win? Are we going to be looking at two Canadians in the final, it's Timmy? That's what we want. I know. Medvedev is playing as well as anyone outside Novak Djokovic. I mean, he is clear-cut right now, second-best player in the world to Djokovic. Uh, he's in the semis for the third straight year. Um, he's still looking for that first Grand Slam title, so he's hungry. He's only lost a set in the tournament. And Sabalenka is similar. I mean, like second in the world, second straight and second career Grand Slam semi um, after losing in the semis at Wimbledon. Ten career WTA titles, four. It's going to be tough for both of them. Mm-hmm. However, I said that about... Layla Annie about four times before she got to this point. So there is no way, shape, or form am I looking at Layla Fernandez and saying, I'm counting her out. Uh, both of them got a shot. They have, they have a chair. They've got a chance. They're still in the big dance. Um, it's going to be tough for both of them, but they're there, and the rest feels like icing so they can go out there and play. But I will say this. like Layla is young, but playing three straight, three set matches against that high a caliber of opponent could take a little out of the gas. You tank. saw you saw what happened with Alcaraz. He was coming yeah. off back-to-back five setters and his body just could not handle it against Felix. So, it, it, yeah, I mean, the saving grace is that she's 19 years old and right. hopefully the body has the ability to respond. Yeah, and hopefully this is just the start. Yeah. for both of them because it's unreal what they're doing right now. All right, still to come, Rash Madani from Yankee Stadium ahead of the Jays and Yanks. James Sharman from BMO Field to key up Canada's massive World Cup qualifier against El Salvador. Plus, former NHL or NFL head coach John Fox will help us preview the NFC West. It would be really cool if we had an NHL coach to help <laughs> us preview the NFC West. And up next, we'll talk football. That's right, this side of the border, Justin Dunn joins us to talk some CFL after an exciting Labor Day weekend. Tim and friends on a hump day. Let's go. What a Cinderella story this has been, and she's not done yet. I never thought uh, a day like this would come. Yankees and the Red Sox holding on to the top, but the grip is getting a little loose because the Toronto Blue Jays are on the move. Pitching, defense, and hitting. We're doing it all right now. Football team's coming together. These guys are rolling on all cylinders. Adams, bump fake, steps up, gets it away. Another deep ball, touchdown! A decisive victory for Kahari Jones' Montreal Alouettes coming in here to start off Labor Day weekend in style. The crowd here at Mosaic on their feet. Goosebumps for all of us. Some pressure. Polaros gets taken 
and a big win on the road for the Bombers on the Labor Day weekend. The Labor Day Classic is on. Arbuckle on the run. Oh, it's batted up, and it's caught. Simone Lawrence is going to score. That is the knockout punch. And the streak on Labor Day will run to seven straight for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's the Battle of Alberta for the 60th time on Labor Day weekend. Harris down the field, has a man wide open. That'll be caught by Jones. Jones in the end zone. Touchdown, Edmonton. The visitors strike again here on Labor Day. Labor Day may have hit the CFL a little quicker this year as the pandemic placed it in week five this season, but it hit almost the same. Plenty to talk about from around the league here to help us is our old friend from Three Down Nation, CHCH, among other things, Justin Dunk. What's good, Justin? Yeah. How are you, man? Happy to be back, man. Are you down to wait? Not really. Trimmer, man. No, not really. I still got chins. Um, <laughs> speaking of being down weight, priorities here. Did you get a free beer from the caretaker, Bob Young, in no, Hamilton? Man. No, I was in studio. Ah, it was bad. the original beer, though, but got none of that. No, you got none of I'm it. I'm not a season seat holder, though. Right. It's only for special people, Timmy. Well, I mean, you do call the Hamilton area home, so yeah, I thought maybe, maybe you'd be a season seat, yeah, but you get those, uh, those fancy media tickets. So let's start at <laughs> Tim Hortons Field. Uh, looks like Dane Evans is your starter, no? Seems like it. 2-0. It's interesting, though, because the completion rates between him and Jeremiah Masoli are about the same, but the picks are a little different, and Dane's got the two wins, man, so I think you probably roll with that dude. It's funny because CFL, obviously, the quarterback is a remarkably important position. It is in most leagues. When you have three downs, it makes it more important. And Jeremiah Masoli looked like the answer for Hamilton. How is this going over in Hamilton within the locker room? Well, within the locker room, the players are outwardly saying that whoever starts, we don't care. Like Brandon Banks, the reigning MLP, has said it doesn't matter who it is throwing the football. But on the outside, in terms of the fans around the city, they wanted Dane Evans. And part of that was because he started 0-2. Jeremiah did, that is. But I think also the other part is because Evans is younger. He's 27. I believe Masoli's 32 or 33. And they can see Dane Evans being the guy of the future. Uh, as a man who used to call play-by-play -play for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, I knew that Hamilton's favorite player was always the backup quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Danny McManus was the starting quarterback when I was there, and their favorite quarter, their player was the backup quarterback. It didn't matter who it was. That was their favorite <laughs> player. All right, so um, Labor Day star Tim White um, has made an imprint on this team for Hamilton and uh, he was a couple inches, maybe a foot away from maybe not being a part of this team early. Man, like length of a football. Triple, dump, triple jump, U.S. trials. Guy was like a foot away from going. There's three spots for the people that don't know. And Tim White, a guy that says he has speed to win. He runs to win. So he's got this natural speed. And literally, if he would have made the Olympics, obviously he wouldn't have made an impact on Labor Day. And a guy that they think could be... No, I don't want to say the next BDB, but they're talking about him with that type of game-changing ability. Right. So he finished fifth in the U.S. trials in the triple jump. Yeah. Unbelievable. Two spots away from going. Two, two spots away. All right. So did the Bombers, uh, Willie Jefferson, know something about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? <laughs> or was he just talking the kind of junk that you talk between the Bombers and the Riders? Man, when Willie J talks, I think we need to listen, though. <laughs> and he's showing that he's a little comfortable. Normally, Timmy, you know him from being in the league. He's a quiet dude, but he saw something with the Riders. And I think, to be quite honest, the Riders won't admit this, but he got in their head. Cody Fajardo was a different dude through career-high three interceptions. Now, Willie Jefferson in himself, for the uninitiated, out there, six foot seven, 250. Like, this dude could be playing power forward 
for the Raptors. Yeah. Arguably should be in the NFL. Really, it's just because of politics that he's not. And to be quite honest, right now, for my money, in a year that's been, you know, had a dearth of points in the league, let's say, Willie Jefferson is one of the leaders for the MLP award as a defender, which has never happened for a defensive end. I think Joe Monford, you know, way back. Mm -hmm. In your time calling the Ticats, you would have known that well. Would have been the guy who was up there with him, maybe. Yeah, it's, uh, it's unbelievable the impact that he's been able to make. And listen, full mark, when you beat the teams that are in front of you, that's called the game of football. Uh, Saskatchewan beat the teams that were in front of them. Willie thought that they hadn't beaten anybody yet, and he was calling it the way he saw it. The interesting thing to me are the two quarterbacks on these two teams because I got a feeling that perhaps Zach Kalaros likes beating Saskatchewan. <laughs> Just a little bit, man. He doesn't really like the way that he got let go out of there, to be quite honest. He was traded after he took the concussion shot to his head. And yes, Fajardo did come along and earn the job, but... He has said specifically, hasn't lost on Labor Day, kept that going in Sask. Uh, do you think that those are the two classes of the West, or are we going to see something from the Alberta boys? Well, we'll see. I mean, Calgary's 1-4, which is actually the worst record in the league for all the talk that Ottawa's the worst team. But mm -hmm. I think Edmonton could be scary. They added Derek Moncrief, who just came back from the NFL. And Trevor Harris comes off the COVID break, throws for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns with two rookie receivers. So the Elks are talented, but there were question marks about first-year head coach and Jamie Elizondo and would these pieces fit together? Well, right now they're right in the mix in the East. It's funny that, like, I look at one sport where – a few days off might help a team like is football the one sport where you could get you know the COVID break come back and look fresh like it's almost like two bye weeks I mean I guess for Edmonton but normally you want to keep that going right yeah. like you don't want to have the layoff you want to keep the timing going but Harris showed that it doesn't matter so Moncrief how big of an addition is this to Edmonton and was there thought maybe that he'd go to Saskatchewan yeah, it's huge, to be quite honest, because you look at Moncrief, what he did before he left, again, for the uninitiated, a CFL all-star, Timmy, in 2019, went to the Los Angeles Rams, played a game there, was on the practice roster for a while, decided to come back, and you mentioned it. The Riders were in the mix. They wanted him back, but didn't make a serious offer. Edmonton outbids the Riders and the Blue Bombers. Like, we're talking about the Bombers could have had Willie Jefferson mm -hmm. and Adam Big Hill on the same defense, two guys that have won MOP on defense before, but the Elks get him for just over $140,000. That's big CFL money. We talked about that before, right? right? $20,000 to sign. It could be a real impact for them. They needed some experience at the linebacking position. So when I saw this on Three Down Nation, I thought, Probably some Ryder fans that are pretty pissed that they didn't make a serious offer, no? Dude, my timeline all day has been lit up saying, Jeremy O'Day, what are you doing? You're an idiot, the general manager there for not re-signing Moncrief. But the Riders are okay with not having him because they have a guy named A.J. Handy who probably not well-known to people out there but had a run in the NFL and then is up here playing well. And they thought, are we going to make Derek Moncrief the highest-paid linebacker? Can we even fit that into our cap? So I think sometimes... In the CFL especially, people get attached to names. Right. But Moncrief getting paid so much just took the riders out of the equation. So the one thing that Jesse and I have been talking about through five weeks of the season is the idea that no season last year, no preseason, it's going to take a while for the offenses to get going. Are we starting to see these offenses get going? Is this an excuse that I'm providing teams? Like, what's going on with the offense? Yeah, you're being too nice, Tim. Yeah? You're being Uncle Tim, <laughs> man. I think, like, we saw it last year in the NFL. Right out the gate, they were scoring points. Right? Patrick Mahomes came out on fire, if I remember right. So, to me. Yeah, but hold on. Do you know Tom Brady was doing things that you could never do in Canada or the CFL during the pandemic? I'm sure the guys were throwing in the States. Right? Vernon Adams Jr., who's on screen right now, paid 20 grand. Obviously a big deal 
deal in the CFL, be different in the NFL, to bring a bunch of receivers out to him in the United States. So these guys were still throwing, bro. There's no excuses, man. These it's not pros. that easy. I'm not being Uncle Timmy nice. I'm being Tom Brady can drop 20 grand on a dime, bring a bunch of guys to a high school, get kicked <laughs> off the field like what happened in Tampa. It's not the same for these guys. They've got receivers in Canada. They've got receivers in the States. And they don't have $20 million in the bank that they can just drop to fly everyone in. Fair. But I still think there were guys doing some stuff right. right behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I think especially the American guys where there were less restrictions on what you were able to do. So you just say, start slinging the rock here. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's go, man. All right, the former, play, right? former OUA All-Star, <laughs> yeah, Justin yeah. Dunk in studio. Always great seeing you. Thanks for popping by and doing this. Yeah, man. Been too long, Timmy. Good to see you. It has been too long. Uh, there is John, Justin Dunk. You can follow him on Twitter or see him at 3 Down Nation. Time for break. Glenn Grunwald has retired from his role as Canada Basketball President and CEO. But he's left the program in good hands. We'll discuss the move. Mr. Grunwald taught Canada Basketball next, right here on Tim and Friends. With Jesse Rubinoff, I'm Justin Dunn. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Uh, some interesting news in and around Canada basketball. Earlier today as Glenn Grunwald stepped down as president and CEO. And our next guest has had the unfortunate happenstance of being on this show in its many iterations over, I don't know, like 20 years. First as a guest when he was a GM with the Raptors to working as an analyst with us to his time in youth sports and most recently as the president and CEO of Canada Basketball. As I mentioned, a role he announced that he was stepping down from today. Glenn Grunwald joins us now. Glenn, thanks so much for joining us again. Tim, thanks for having us on. Yeah, I remember my days when I was your analyst, and we, we were on during the malice of the palace. Oh, remember that? That was unbelievable. You, <laughs> myself, and Sid Sixero come up after the malice of the palace, and I'll never forget Greg Anthony's last words on ESPN before the cameras came transfixed on us was, I don't think there'll be any suspensions. <laughs> I, think, I think you missed. Yeah, I think you missed. Listen, I want to talk Canada basketball, and it seemed like Canada's basketball trajectory going in the right direction. I know this summer was tough, but is that part of the reason why you're talking about retirement from the role as president and CEO? Well, I think it's just time for me to, to make a change and, and turn it over to new leadership. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, we didn't get the success we wanted from the Olympics this year. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But you know, I think the future is still bright. And I still want to help and contribute. But in a way that I think I can best do that is through, uh, you know, consulting with, uh, with Michael Bartlett, the new CEO, and uh, helping him with some of the basketball operations stuff. And also, you know, trying to get built a national training center for Canada basketball. That would be very nice. Well, before we get into, and I want to talk a little bit about Michael Bartlett and, and how he's going to take over and your new role, but just looking back, what was the best part of the gig for you? Uh, it's the people. I'll tell you what, there's some great people that work in basketball, not just at Canada Basketball, and there's a great group of folks there that are dedicated and talented and really working hard, but the PTSOs, the players, the coaches, the referees, uh, so many people, so many good people involved in basketball, and uh, it's really been great to get to know them a little bit and work with them and help move things along. And, you know, I think if we can continue to work together, we can reach the full potential that basketball has in this country. So Michael Bartlett is taking over. Uh, I know the name from MLSE. What can you tell our audience about uh, the new man in charge? Well, I tell you what, he's 
he's a star. He really is. And uh, he he was the the go-to guy at Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. He did so many things there. I can't even list them all. But from the you know the start of the MLSC Foundation to the launch pad uh, to the All Star Game to helping out with the COVID and doing the bubble for the NHL. He's He's really uh, a great guy, and it really has great values. And his vision to, you know, basketball is probably the most uh, inclusive and diverse sport in in Canada. But he wants to take that to another level to make sure that everyone that participates in basketball has a positive and safe experience, and that everyone feels welcome uh, at our sport, whether you're a player, a coach, a referee, administrator, or a fan. And and I think you know we've we've got a great opportunity really to 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 help build our country and bring people together. And I think he's the right guy to do that. Before you made this announcement, uh, we had Nick Nurse in the studio to announce that he was returning and was going to see this team through at least on the men's side until the next Olympics. How big was that before you leaving, getting Nick Nick Nurse resigned? Well, I think I think you know he was I'm leaving, and I'm going to say this. I think to have stability and consistency is, is important, and that's one reason why I wanted to, to stay on and help where I could to make sure that, that whatever knowledge I had or experience I had was, was available to, to, to Michael and the rest of the staff and to, to keep, uh, keep things going forward because, you know, it, again, we didn't quite have the success we wanted to. I think, you know, I don't want to make excuses, and, 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 uh, but timing is, is, is everything, and, and we – we would have had a different team, both for the men's and women's in the Olympic and uh, Olympic qualifying, if if we had played when we were supposed to. Uh, but you know, things didn't work out. But that doesn't shouldn't discourage us. I know we're disappointed, but I think, you know, Nick's a great coach, a great guy. He is fully committed and and totally devoted to trying to make this happen. And he he really puts the time into to work with the players and the staff and to you know work with uh, the administration in Canada basketball to make sure that that his you know, his contributions are not just coaching, which are, which are very good, but also in terms of making sure we can put a team together and, and, and treat the players the right way. For those who don't know uh, Glenn's history, he, he may have been the greatest Chicagoland basketball player in high school history. Uh, he won a national championship at Indiana. Um, you've been around the game for a long, long time. How close do you think that this program is? Oh, I think we're close. I, I tell you what. You know, just just look at the men's program for a minute. You know, had we played in 2020 uh, when we were supposed to, we would have had Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Jamal Murray. But unfortunately, in 2021, came rolling around, they were hurt. We would have had Ken Birch and Kelly Olynyk. But unfortunately, in 2021, unlike 2020, they had a contract situation and had to deal with that. So. You know, uh, I think we've got, uh, you know, we learned something. I think our players learned something in terms of uh, what we need to do to, to, to uh, be more together, to be more consistent in terms of our roster, to play together more over a series of years. You know, our women's team had done that with some great success. And then COVID, had, they weren't together for 18 months. Yeah. And then we, we we had to come together and prepare for the Olympics uh, in Tampa. We didn't have the opportunity to play exhibition games there. So all these things, you know, matter. You know, we're, we're, we've got the, enough talent, and now we just got to put it together. And, and you know, our, I, I mean, i just so excited about the future basketball. Like our age group teams are under seven, under 16s uh, in the America Cups medal. Our under-19 teams in, in the World Cup 
you know, barely lost to the U.S. and wound up with a bronze medal. So the the future is very bright, and I look at some of the young players coming up. Uh, boy, it's just it's just exciting to see. Do you know what's next for you, or are you settling into that consulting world with the Grizzlies and Team Canada that I hope to one day get into? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna stay in this role. Yeah. You know, I don't know where you never know where the where the future will take you. But right now, I'm focused on helping. Uh, the Grizzlies helping Canada basketball and, again, trying to build this national training center, which is so needed. I mean, the shortage of uh, facilities for, for people that want to play basketball is there, and and we're starting to meet it. But I think, you know, we, we really need a national training center like most of the basketball powers, Australia, the U.S., Spain, France, and like most of the other NSOs in, in Canada. So we're, we're going to work through that, and then I'm going to devote a lot of my time and efforts towards that. Well, if I can ever help, you know where to find me. Uh, it's been okay. a couple decades that we've been uh, we've been bothering you and and trying to get you on the show. And I know it can be a pain in the ass at times, but no, don't be a stranger. It's always fun. Always fun. I can see the Tim and Friends National Basketball Training Center yes. right now. The naming rights are available. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to talk to the bosses. Appreciate okay. you. All right. There is Glenn Grunwald. Uh, joining us from The Rock, as a matter of fact. Coming up, Rashmi Danny will join us from Yankee Stadium. And after the break, Canada's men's soccer team hosting El Salvador in what feels like a probably should win game. They need the three points. James Sharman helps us tee it up live from BMO Field next, right here on Tim and Friends, the National Training Center. Let me just check Davey's socials first. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheep Dogs. Here we go, hour number two, full hour on Sportsnet 360, including former NFL head coach John Fox who will help us preview the NFC West as we go division by division until tomorrow. Kickoff National Football League, Tampa, Dallas. Meantime, only 30 more minutes ahead of Blue Jays Central. James Sharman joins us from BMO Field, while Arash Madani will join us from Yankee Stadium. Jays will have reinforcements today. Julian Merriweather has been activated from the IL and will be active tonight. That's why he's been activated. He hasn't pitched in the majors since April, but looked great to start the year in his four and one third. Looked as good as he can in four and one third. Uh, the Jays will try for their seventh straight win tonight. Alec Manoa against Rookie Luis Heal. It'll be Manoa's first start at Yankee Stadium since his memorable Major League debut when he pitched six scoreless. Jays enter two and a half behind the Yankees, who are in the first wild card spot. No George Springer again tonight as he nurses the sore knee. Unsurprisingly, Alejandro Kirk stays in the lineup at DH after hitting two bombs last night. He will hit sixth in the lineup. Corey Dickerson stays in center and places Springer and will lead off while Danny Jansen will catch Manoa. Plenty more coming up on the Jays. Arash Badani from Yankee Stadium. Meanwhile, little action in the American League wildcard. Uh, M's over the Astros earlier this afternoon. 8-5 was the final there. So the Mariners pull to within a half game back of the Jays heading into action tonight. Larry Walker officially joined Fergie Jenkins as the only Canadians in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He did that today. That's right. The pride of Maple Ridge, B.C. 
was a three-time batting champ in his outstanding career, and he and his family repped his home and native land today in Cooperstown. I am Canadian. A couple of years ago, I fell short in the voting. And I don't do much on social media, but I did one of those hashtag things on Twitter, and it read, Fergie needs a friend. I was, of course, referring to Ferguson Jenkins, who was the only Canadian in Cooperstown. Today, I finally get to join Fergie as the second Canadian in the Hall of Fame and the first Canadian position player. Fergie, it's an honor. And of course, thank you, Canada, for all your support I've received throughout the years from my home country. I share this honor with every Canadian. And I hope that all you Canadian kids out there that have dreams of playing in the big leagues, that see me here today, gives you another reason to go after those dreams. There is also some guy named Derek Sanderson Jeter having his day in Cooperstown a while. Uh, Michael Jordan among the celebrities that showed up to support the Yankees legend. Jeter just one shy of being a unanimous selection in his first bout, something he clearly hasn't forgotten. Thank you to uh, the baseball writers, all but one of you, who voted for me. <laughs> I was always most comfortable on the field, especially at Yankee Stadium, playing in front of you. And I wanted you to be able to count on me. And to this day, especially right now in this moment, I still represent you. And it's been one of the greatest honors of my life. And I had one goal during my career, and that was to win more than everyone else. And we did. Meanwhile, Canada closing out the first window of World Cup qualifying in the Octagon, hosting El Salvador tonight on Sportsnet 1. Canada has two draws so far, as does El Salvador. No Alfonso Davies for Canada tonight. He is nursing a knee injury, but remember, it's Canada fans. Canada played really well at the Gold Cup without Davies. In fact, they scored 11 goals in five games and lost tight games to the United States and Mexico. There's still plenty of talent on that field as Canada is a firm minus 250 betting favorites Ooh. tonight. Without Davies. Without Davies. As mentioned, El Salvador has drawn both of their games in the octagon so far. Nil-nil at home to the United States and Honduras. They've combined for just two shots on goal and three against, so they may try and frustrate and break down the Canadian squad. Not a lot of household names on the El Salvador squad, although Eric Zavaleta will be familiar to TFC fans. They are missing their top scorer from the previous stage of qualifying and have earned two World Cup appearances, but none since 1982. Here to help us break down El Salvador's roster man by man is James Sharman, <laughs> who joins me from BMO. James, take it away. Go ahead. Every man, El Salvador, go. Um, Brian Tamakis, <laughs> Mario Gonzalez. Hey, after hey, you, Timmy. After you. That's that's, that's not fun. bad. That's not, so <laughs> it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it feels like this could be a ten men behind the ball thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, El Salvador can defend. They're very organised. They're yet to concede 
so far this qualifying campaign, albeit two games at home, but they did play the US, of course, a good offensive team, but they're going to sit deep. They're going to try and kill this game off, which is going to be tough of Canada, obviously missing Alfonso Davies, but they know what to expect. You know, El Salvador, they're a pretty young team as well. Lots of energy. They've got a lot of pace as well, but they will sit back and try and clog up that midfield. All right, so no Alfonso Davies is obviously huge. Can Canada draw from that Gold Cup where they played without him? I think there's a really important tournament, the Gold Cup, for that reason. Missing some star players, including, of course, Davies. They showed they can play. They have got depth that in previous generations they just simply did not have. And to get to the semifinals, to come so close, so close against Mexico, you know, losing that one at the death and injury time without these stars gave this team a lot of confidence. And obviously, listen, they're better off with Alfonso Davies. We know that. But they can play well without him, and maybe it'll allow someone like Tejan Buchanan who's on that, that cusp of stardom himself to really step up and fill that void out wide for Canada. So I think it's going to be a fascinating match tonight. Can they unlock El Salvador without their best player? If they can, again, the swag of the confidence continues. I haven't seen the starting 11 yet and I'm not sure we expect it and for, at least for a couple, couple more minutes here. Is it Jonathan Osorio the favorite to slot into that left slide? I would say it makes sense, yeah. If they go for the 3-4-3 formation, which, which John Herman really enjoys, they might go 4-4-2, but Azorio can fit in there, and he's a, he's a ball winner. He loves possession. He keeps the ball, and they'll have a lot more possession in this game. Uh, we saw against the States, 28% possession. Be a lot more today, so having a, someone that can retain possession like Azorio makes a lot of sense out on the left-hand side, so Buchanan remains on the right. That said, in the Gold Cup, we saw Buchanan play a lot on the left-hand side as well, so it's John Herman. You know, we won't know until we see the starting 11 when it comes out in, in a few minutes time but regardless it should be a pretty attacking offensive looking team I would think. And then it could change after 20 minutes as we saw in the States. Exactly you know this team's versatile John Herman loves to mix things up and, and at the same time when he makes mistakes revert back to, to what was working so we'll see what happens tonight you know they are, they are the better team tonight you know, they mentioned there before they're the favorites um, almost overwhelming favorites and they, they should take three points if it goes wrong anytime John Herman would not consider any any choice but to make changes be it you know personnel or formation or tactics but he knows what he likes he likes 3-4-3 happy to go 4-4-2 if they have to and uh, yeah for the the tactician out there for those those formation geeks <laughs> it should be a good one to watch all right so uh, earlier in the show uh, the producers point me to Alfonso Davies Instagram <laughs> account I look at it I don't know what the hell I'm looking at and then ripples through social media they won't realize how big a part you play until you're not there to play it anymore and is he talking about Canada is he talking about Bayern Munich he has to go to Twitter to issue an apology did this like what was the kind of the wave that was made at BMO Field did people hear about this did it go as well as it went in these studios <laughs> it's making the rounds for yeah. sure you know that the golden boy maybe isn't perfect after all he made a mistake or was it a scheduled instagram apparently you can schedule the instagrams tim apparently yes you can so the kids say um but <laughs> if, he, if, if he didn't yeah it was a mistake and you'll learn from it of course uh, was it a distraction i'm not so sure about that uh, listen the bottom line was he's got an injury 
probably not that serious. You know, if this was a must-win game, I'm sure he would have found a way to start. Didn't look too serious, you know, on Sunday when he came off the field. He was smiling at one point. Uh, but it's really important that Canada nurtures this relationship with Bayern Munich and all yes. clubs. You know, club against country is an, an age-old argument. You know, they don't like each other no matter who the club is, no matter who the country is. So starting him in two straight games, would he have started today anyway? I, I'm not so sure about that. So I, I think they're just being very careful. Um, but yeah, a little bit embarrassing for Alfonso Davis, but he's a smart kid and he'll, he'll learn from it. Uh, that's an important lesson for maybe Canadians who are on the periphery of club and country conversations. Um, like when Bayern Munich calls and they're paying the bills, a lot of times country has to listen, right? Yeah, to a certain point. I mean, the, the, the country has FIFA behind them. When FIFA delegate these dates... Uh, the countries have to release those players unless there's COVID protocols, which we've seen in Europe right now in the, the red list of countries. We saw the Brazil-Argentina game, you know, uh, descend into a fiasco on, on the weekend. But generally speaking, the countries have FIFA behind them. But let's be honest, yes, that the clubs have a lot of power. They can talk to the player and say, hey, you've got a calf injury, by the way. You can't make that trip. And it does happen. It's yeah. always happened. But if there's a good relationship between club and country, maybe that'll be a less so. All right, so who do you need to see a big game from without Canada's best player in the lineup? Well, Jonathan David um, has been not great in the first two games. Didn't start last game, and he is one of Canada's you know, top two or three players. We know what he's done at Lille last year. It's been a slow start to the campaign for him. He's got to step it up. They've got to find goals tonight. You know, The offense has been clicking at times, but it hasn't been that great in the final third so far. He is key if he starts tonight, and I'm sure he will start tonight. So that's number one. And I mentioned before, Tejan Buchanan, this kid's something special. You know, He looked really, really good against the States when he came on, having been subbed off at halftime in the first game against Honduras. So um, if he can stand out and show pace out wide against this El Salvador team that will bunker low, he could be a key, key contributor. Feels like a big three points from Canada or for Canada. If they ended this window with five points on three games, I think that's a success, no? Oh, I think it is, yeah. yeah. I know beforehand people were saying seven points minimum, but listen, you know, the first game against Honduras are always tough games. You're not quite sure who you are. You're trying to figure out the identity of the team. You get a point in that game, you then go to the States, which most people before this qualifying campaign began thought that's probably going to be a loss against a very good young American team. They got a point, a fantastic point. So if they win tonight and they should win tonight and get five points, that's great. Really, really good start considering they got two row games coming up next month tough ones against Mexico and Jamaica so five points will put them in the top three in in qualifying and that's the most important stat right now top three in qualifying again for those uh, just joining us you can see this game Sportsnet won 730 Eastern time it's Canada and El Salvador speaking of the next windows uh, we haven't exactly heard where they're going to be playing those games I know they get Mexico in the dead of winter any chance Edmonton Commonwealth Stadium is on the list of uh, the short list of stadiums or are we just going to a dome uh, you know, the, the rumors are Edmonton's definitely in contention to host a game or two. And I think that's a really great idea. I said before, Timmy, to you that no one wants to play in the cold weather, not even the Canadian players. Yeah. That being said, any edge you can get, you know, you might take it. You know, you go back to that 86 game in Newfoundland, qualifying for that World Cup and how important that was. Times have changed perhaps in some regards, but if you can get a good venue and Edmonton's got a good, rich football culture and go back there with, with the, the, the prodigal son, Alfonso Davis, it would be an amazing yeah. atmosphere. 
and certainly some of those other teams wouldn't want to travel there, that's for sure. So, yeah, maybe Edmonton. Let's hope so. Uh, that's the part of the equation is Alfonso Davies gets a homecoming game in a Canada jersey, and it might be a little bit cold for some South to Central American squads. I'm good with that. Sharman, thanks for this, as always. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, Timmy. Uh, there is James Sharman. Canada, El Salvador, 7.30 Eastern, Sportsnet 1. Meanwhile, on Sportsnet, around the same time, the Jays look to make it seven straight and close the gap even tighter on the Yankees in the wild card chase. Alec Manoa will try and recreate his Yankee Stadium magic, and we'll try and recreate that magic with Arash Madani. Live from the Bronx, next here. I don't think it'll be the same, but we'll try. Welcome back. Blue Jays Central coming up shortly on Sportsnet. Jays send Alec Manoa to the mound in New York. Looking to reel off a seventh straight win and get even closer to both the Yankees and the Bo Sox in the wild card. Joining us now, looking spelt and nice from Yankee Stadium, is the one and only Arash Madani. What's going on, Arash? How's New York treating you? It's been a cool day down here, Timmy. I won't lie. I mean, got here around 3.30 or so, and every single screen, the Jumbotron, the PA system, was airing the Derek Jeter speech. And I was talking to Marcus Simeon earlier. He grew up idolizing Jeter, and I was bugging Pete Walker because we found out that he faced Jeter 16 times in his career, and Derek 7 for 16 against him. So, uh, cool little day to be in the Bronx on a day that uh, the captain goes into Cooperstown. Well, that's interesting. Now, Pete Walker, Marcus Simeon, obviously one side. I had heard reports that uh, the Yankees who were out on the field basically stopped and watched the Jumbotron. Yeah, some of them were. They had come out for early hitting and some of the coaches stopped. There were some people running and the Jays were doing their thing. Um, it, it's funny because Simeon made his big league debut here almost eight years ago to the day, uh, September 2013. And that was a Yankee team that had Jeter and A-Rod and CC started that day, Mariano. The only Yankee left from that year's team, uh, from that day, is Brett Gardner. He's, he's the last yeah. lone soldier standing from, um, from when Simeon made his debut playing with Jeter. I know that the, uh, the local crew doesn't give like the opposing teams a lineup of what's happening, but is there any way that Jeter makes his way down from Cooperstown and ends up at Yankee Stadium today? It would be cool if it happened, and we haven't heard anything. Um, I doubt it just because they have so many obligations um, with Hall of Famers, right. but um, if anybody can afford a private plane, <laughs> yeah. get in with Jordan and be the hero, Come or on. I guess take a chopper. Yeah, right. He's with MJ. Look, yeah. our, our MJ, well, what's the nearest casino? Um, MJ and <laughs> Pat yeah. Ewing yeah. and Atlantic and company, City. Uh, you know. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's, there's a shot. It's uh, the competitive nature of Michael is why he likes going to the casino, remember? Of course. Yeah, That's just what the, it was. Just the competitive nature of Michael that brings him to uh, lay down That's all it was. thousands of dollars yeah. a hand. Yeah, understood. Uh, all right, let's talk about this game. And what jumps out to me is just how far the Jays have come. And we've been doing this ridiculous pop thing for years on the show. And I don't know if it's ever been as explosive as it's been for the Jays over the last little while. They were down to about 4% on, uh, on baseball reference. They're now over 40%. Like, 
What's the feeling around the team? Like, there's got to be excitement. Like, what's the clubhouse like right now? Yeah, they believe it. They, they believe they're in it. They believe they're in the teeth of it and the thick of it. And, you know, by the numbers, they are. They've won nine of their last ten. They're two back of a wild card. And, Timmy, it's crazy because I joined, like, rejoined the beat um, after doing the National Bank Open just after they lost to Detroit, that, that painful series at home. And it was, that's two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. And you could tell that everybody was feeling it. Then I was in Detroit the following Friday. They lost 2-1, the Josh Palacios misplay in center field. And it almost felt like time of death on the 2021 Blue Jays season yeah. was that night. Yep. And they've only lost one game since. Um, it's, it's wild. And the bats have come alive. But more than that, Tim, we have not talked about the Blue Jays bullpen in any yeah. kind. Like they're like offensive linemen, right? You never want to hear about the offensive line. We haven't heard about the Blue Jays bullpen in about two weeks either. I, I try not to attach the feelings that I get from watching or the lessons that you hope young teams take in struggling in big series, like you mentioned, against Detroit at home, uh, even against Washington on the road in Detroit. But have you seen some signs of lessons learned or is this just a good team that went through a spell and is playing well again? They're hitting. Yeah. They're hitting, and and again, the bullpen. Is, look, they got six innings, at, six innings out of Steven Matz yesterday. And Matz made the point to me a couple days ago. He said, my last start against Baltimore, I didn't have it. I wasn't feeling it. But he was able to get out of the fourth inning unscathed, even when he had four walks even when there were runners in scoring position he made the definitive pitch when it mattered to get it done and when you're getting those kind of performances from the back end of your rotation that's huge we found out today that Ross Stripling is likely going to return this weekend in Baltimore that just means another adult another veteran who's pitched in big games before is going to be available to them for the final two weeks of the season all of that weighs into it I don't know how many lessons are being learned right now. I think the bigger thing is this team, after really struggling, after going into a real offensive drought, has gotten out of it. And they're they're doing what they had been doing earlier in the season when they got themselves into some kind of race to begin with. Any plans with those help uh, or that help? Uh, stripling maybe the double header on the Saturday against Baltimore. What's the plan with Merriweather? I know they're getting reinforcements as we speak. Yes, yeah, so Merriweather's activated tonight. He's available to go. He had six rehab outings. He said it was about two weeks ago in Buffalo. With you know, there was a crowd again. There was some adrenaline going. His body rebounded well after that. The oblique wasn't an issue. He said, "Okay, now I know I can, I can be good." That's a big time return to the bullpen because he's got a sharpness to his slider and curveball. He told us. He said the velocity is there. You get 100 miles an hour. Uh, coming out there with Nate Pearson also back there, that's going to help. As for Stripling, he threw around 30 pitches in the rehab outing yesterday. I would suspect they'll get two or three innings from him uh, in the in, in the outing against Baltimore coming up this weekend. So it, it just all helps. I mean, it's the time of the season when everyone's dealing with something. And there's some fatigue in those arms. So you add a vet who can give you some quality. That's going to be significant. Uh, interesting pitching matchup. The uh, Yankees top pitching prospect, Luis Hill, who's 
yet to give up a run in the major leagues gets the start against Alec Manoa who returns to the site of his major league debut and what a scene it was family on hand mother uh, ecstatic mother crying Manoa going six strong um, it's interesting I thought there were a couple times along the way where the moment might engulf this kid but man does he have some confidence. Yeah, Charlie Montoya told us today, he said, you know, Alex just been mature since day one. And no stage and no moment has been too big for him, which is such a big part of it, which is so rare for a rookie. I mean, kids these days, right? But it's interesting when you look at this matchup, because in a lot of ways, these are two organizations that back in May and June were really reluctant to even bring these two guys up to the majors. The Blue Jays waited and waited. They weren't sure if Manoa was ready for prime time for Hollywood for the New York City lights. And he has showed them that he is. There is a confidence about him. He kind of spends some time with with Ryu. He spends some time with Robbie Ray. He studies their bullpens. He's working away on that. But just even in the dugout, he's having conversations. He is one of the guys which is rare to find for a rookie who can seamlessly find himself into the uh, locker room culture. But but Manoa's done it. It was Manoa the one, Timmy, who put the jacket on Robbie Ray on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. You don't see many rookies do that. Uh, he'll three starts in August. Didn't allow a run in 15 and two-thirds. Longest scoreless streak to start a career for any Yankees pitcher in the expansion era since 1961 so a great start for him as well before I let you go Arash did you watch any tennis last night watched a little bit by the time I got back uh, the Felix match was over um, I was thinking about this today Timmy um, 2019 Bianca wins it all and in 2021 there's another Canadian yeah. uh, who's in the US Open semifinal. Chapo got to the Wimbledon semifinal this year. There is a different Canadian male in the U.S. Open semifinal. And I dare you, man, I dare you to find me another country not named Spain that's a bigger tennis power overall than Canada is on the men's and women's sides combined. Yeah, I, I dare you that because it just doesn't exist. Yeah, I, I literally said off the top of the show since Wimbledon 2014, there's only one country that has put six different players, three men, three women, into a semifinal. That one country is Canada. And to think that, like, when you and I were watching Andrew Schneider and Glenn Michibata go at it, like, it's amazing to see how far they've come. Yeah, and don't forget, Vashik Pospisil was one yeah. half of the Wimbledon doubles championship team right so there's a there's a couple of trophies on the mantelpiece uh, Rashman Eddie always great catching up with you appreciate talking sports with you enjoy the game Yankee Stadium on a uh, on a hump day uh, should be fun hi Timmy there is a uh, Rashman the kids these days anytime I hear the kids these days am I right I think I'm getting old is he <laughs> insinuating that he's like ancient or something he's not that know. old yeah he's I think he's younger I think he's like five years younger than me yeah and he's doing the, the kids these days whatever all right time to send you to Blue Jays Central it is coming up on Sportsnet Yankees and Jays third of the four game series in the Bronx Jamie and Joe will take you to the first pitch in the Bronx as for us we will continue our NFL divisional previews with the NFC West 
former Broncos, Panthers, Bears head coach John Fox will help us break it on down. Back in 60 seconds on 360, Blue Jay Central on Sportsnet. Tim and friends, welcome back. Our tour around the National Football League brings us to the NFC West, which is shaping up to be the tightest division in the league this year. It's been an arms race between these teams. The Rams and the Niners are still licking wounds from recent Super Bowl losses, so both teams invested in new, exciting quarterbacks with the hopes of raising those ceilings. The Seahawks might finally unlock Russell Wilson, get a defense, and the cards can't be forgotten. Remember, Kyler Murray was having an MVP-caliber season before a shoulder injury slowed him down. It is a loaded division, as usual. Here to help us break it down is Anthony Caminetti. The NFC West is always one of the most interesting divisions in the NFL. There's been a different team atop this division each of the last three years and regularly send two teams to the playoffs. Let's begin with the defending champion Seattle Seahawks. It wasn't long ago that Russell Wilson was frustrated and that he and the Seahawks were heading for a split, but apparently it's all good. What's up? Just letting everybody know we're still friends, you know. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Just messing there you with you. Go. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. With Wilson's apparent approval, the Seahawks are going a new direction on offense after hiring Shane Waldron as their new offensive coordinator. Will Seattle finally let Russ cook in 2021? This is a real ad, by the way. And yes, that's football bread. Meanwhile, Sean McVay has a new quarterback. Jared Goff is out, Matthew Stafford is in. After a pair of just okay seasons in LA, it seems McVay is hungry for this team to get back to being a powerhouse in the NFL. How much was Goff really holding this team back? It was a tale of two seasons in 2020 for the Cardinals, bursting out to a 5-2 start before stumbling down the stretch, settling for a middling 8-8 eight eight record. They've added veterans including J.J. Watt and A.J. Green, hoping to squeeze the last ounce of production from them. When it comes down to it, it's time for results in the desert, or else that seat might be getting a little warm for Cliff Kingsbury. Trey Lance, number three overall pick. The hype is real. After all the hubbub, the Niners secured their future in Trey Lance, but it appears Jimmy Garoppolo is still the number one man in San Francisco. It won't matter who's under center, though, if this team struggles to stay healthy again. If they can, they have all the talent in the world to win it all. They better hope luck is on their side in 2021. Look, whoever comes out of this division will be battle-tested and likely be a very legitimate Super Bowl contender. Who that will be, though, is anyone's guess. Without a doubt. Joining me now to break down how the West will be won, ESPN analyst, one of just four head coaches to win an AFC and NFC championship, John Fox. Hey, John, thanks for doing this north of the border with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, we, we've had the conversations surrounding the AFC North as well, but is this the best division in football in your mind? I think without a doubt, top to bottom, uh, it, it's uh, both the NFC and the AFC West are pretty close, but I'm going to go with NFC West being the roughest. All right, so then um, – <laughs> How do we win this division? Because it feels like there are a bunch of teams. I mean, obviously, uh, injuries played a huge factor in 2020. Does that change your opinion on who might be the cream of the crop in this division? Well, there's no doubt that being, staying healthy is important. But, um, you know, I'd say my pick for the West this year is going to be the 49ers. And uh, let me let me explain why. I think 
Uh, again, they probably have the biggest question mark at quarterback of anybody in the division. However, I think the uh, the strength of their offensive and defensive lines, I think, are going to uh, prove very, very, very worthy uh, in that division. And, um, you know, I think the Rams probably be next. But uh, I will say this, the 49ers, even being banged up a year ago, swept them in their division. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the 49ers from worst to first. Uh, in the 2021 season. All right, so the Niners nowhere close to healthy last year, and a lot of folks like Trey Lance a lot. Now, I know you had Jake DeLome in Carolina. In uh, Denver, you had some guy named Peyton Manning as your quarterback for a little <laughs> while. But in Chicago, uh, you turned to Mitch Trubisky a couple weeks into his rookie season. If Kyle Shanahan called you and said, Coach, I, I need your advice on this, this Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo situation, what would you say to him? Well, I think he needs to wait. You know, I think uh, I was uh, out at training camp uh, with the Chargers, you know, about a month ago, and uh, they worked against the 49ers two straight days on the Thursday and Friday. And, you know, I got to watch the young kid play, and, you know, he plays like a young kid, And uh, but he's very, very talented. Uh, he is smart. He is picking up the system. Uh, let's not forget, you know, there can be packages for Trey Lance, even though Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is playing. And I think the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan are arguably the second best rushing offense in the league behind Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And when you throw in a Trey Lance is that extra guy for a defense to defend, I think it just uh, it's going to be nightmares for uh, uh, defenses in this league that play the 49ers. You know, it's interesting. Yesterday we had Rich Gannon on the show, and I was trying to convince him that the uh, the CFL leads the way on some of these uh, offensive sets that we've seen. We ran a lot of RPO up here before you know, the NFL took it and ran with it, no pun intended. One of the things <laughs> that we've seen a lot in the last little while is two quarterback systems. I said it to Rich. He's like, no way. You need one quarterback. You need that guy to have faith. He needs his reps. We're not going to see that in the league. What if I posed it to the head coach? Would he look at that a little differently? Could we see that, you know, very athletic, get-to-the-edge kind of player and then a pocket passer sharing some time in some of these spots where you don't have a, a complete and utterly elite number one? Well, I mean, if you just look back, you know, in the last couple of years, the, uh, excuse me, uh, the Saints did it, uh, you know, even with Drew Brees as the quarterback, uh, you know, basically a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, and they and they sprinkled it in. And so uh, I think there's a place for it. You know, if you talk to any head coach, they're going to do whatever it takes to win. And there's going to be uh, some times in games uh, to, to force defenses, uh, you know, to play a little more aggressive. Uh, that I think I think it's beneficial to any offense, to be honest with you, uh, uh, as a package. Not not you know not a guy looking over his shoulder to right. who's going to be the starter uh, necessarily, but at least a package. You know, we did it with uh, you know the one year when I was in uh, Denver with Tebow, and um, you know right. it was it, it's it's hard to defend for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm. I feel like we're going to see more of that, especially with some athletic quarterbacks. But that's just me. Uh, let me ask you about Cliff Kingsbury because it feels like there's some pressure in, in the desert this uh, this season with Kingsbury and with Murray. Do they have the defense to hang on in this division? You know, I, I don't believe so. I think that's why you know they'll finish last in the division. I think they've, you know, they went they went out and got AJ Green, they went out and got JJ Watt, they got Hudson at center, so they went and got some veteran guys. But uh, they're all they're all three a little long in the tooth. 
Uh, they they need to stay healthy. I think they'll bring some leadership to that team in the locker room. You know, they got off to a great start a year ago, and you know they just they just weren't mature enough to handle that success. And sometimes in this league, you know, adversity is tough to deal with, but so is prosperity. And uh, I think that's why Steve Kime went out and got some veteran guys in that locker room, you know, to help you know lead a young team, especially at quarterback with Kyler Murray. Can you explain that the prosperity part of that? Because I don't know if the average fan understands what you're talking about. Like once you start winning, is is there a pressure that comes with that? Well, I think it's just, you know, it's a matter of, you know, staying the course. And, right. you know, people talk about adversity all the time and dealing with it. Uh, I'm not so sure that if you get off and you run a 5-0 run, that sometimes that's not harder to deal with. And that means keeping a level head, not listening to chatter out, out outside the locker room. And, you know, people a lot of times would say how bad you are, but sometimes when they tell you how great you are, uh, you can kind of fall asleep at the wheel, so to speak. Right, especially in, in the National Football League. All right, so Pete Carroll, love having John Fox here with us on Tim and Friends. Pete Carroll, another really good head coach. Uh, Russell Wilson, they just keep winning games together. And what seemed to be the difference last year was they were able to kind of mold the defense into something that replicated where they were early in their careers together. Do you believe that that defense is slowly getting back to the point where they were uh, when Russell came into the league? Well, I don't know if they're quite that far. That's probably, you know, one of the top 10 defenses of all time, the Legion of Boom. And, uh, you know, I think uh, they've got some talent in, in all three levels, uh, but I believe uh, they're not quite as deep and as talented throughout as they were, uh, you know, back in the Legion of Boom era. So um, they definitely, you know, Pete does a great job. He's got excellent coaching staff. And they, they really did a good job a couple of years ago when, when they lost a lot of guys. I thought it was pretty remarkable how well yeah. they played on defense. Uh, but I think, um, you know, trying to match up with those other defenses, you know, the Rams were number one in the league. You know, I think the 49ers went healthier up there. Uh, it's just, you know, the defenses in that division are so darn good that, uh, um, you know, it's it, it's hard to pick which one's best uh, other than statistically. So they do a terrific job. I just think it's such a close division uh, that they might be the third best defense in that division. Which is crazy to think about. All right, let's talk about the Rams. Um, it's interesting because there's a lot of Detroit Lions fans in this country, John, and a lot of them got a good close look at Matt Stafford. And I think if you poll the electorate, there's a lot of folks that would say this was a warrior who just never really had the pieces around him. And there are others who will quote Herm Edwards and say, well, you play to win the game. What do you think of Stafford with a real good defense for the Rams? Well, I think, you know, a year ago, their struggles were on offense. And, um, you know, quite honestly, it didn't shock me that, you know, they made a change at the quarterback position because, you know, I think they've got a good scheme. Uh, their defense played outstanding last year, you know, uh, under Brandon Staley. Uh, he's left now and gone to the Chargers. So it'll be interesting to see how they adjust with that as far as scheme-wise and a change of coaches. But offensively, you know, they have – they have all the makings. You know, I think their offensive line's young. I think they're a little, uh, you know, more mature now after a couple of years of growing together. You know, they're, they're, they're fairly young. Um, and, you know, I will say this. When I was with the Bears the three years I was there, you know, I was always impressed with Stafford. Now, he had, you know, a really good supporting cast. They ran a lot of no huddle early on uh, when, um, you know, Jim was there, Caldwell. Mm -hmm. And, um 
you know, they were a little bit more wide open. And he's very capable of that. And I think that's what Sean McVay saw. And uh, they have a personnel guy, Brian Sanders, that was in Detroit, you know, with Stafford, that's now with the Rams. So I think, you know, that might have helped them, um, you know, kind of evaluate him and, and pretty much be all in on him. So if they were 10 and 6 last year, do you think they improve with Stafford? I really do. Yeah. I think they are better, but I've got a little bit of question mark on how they're going to react to, you know, new coaches on defense. Right. Says the defensive man and a, and a, and a pretty damn good one. Hey, listen, this was fun catching up with you. I hope we can do it again. I would love to, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. Be well. There is uh, John Fox, uh, one of just four head coaches in the National Football League to have an AFC and an NFC championship team. That division, Jesse, is stacked. I love what he said about the Rams. I mean, I think the Rams are going to be fantastic this year. New quarterback. It's an upgrade. Stafford's an upgrade over Goff. And if Arizona plays any sort of defense, I feel like that throws this entire division a curveball that they don't see. Like, think of it. The worst team in that division were the San Francisco 49ers at 6-10 and 10 last year. They should be a lot better just be by virtue of being healthy. No doubt, and it's a question of who's going to play quarterback for how long in San Francisco. Yeah, I don't care who's that quarterback. I think they're going to win games. Yes, they're like, good honestly, yeah. they were a good team with, you know, scrubs in there last year, and I'm that's that's disrespectful, but it wasn't who they thought they were going to have, and they still won six games. I think this is going to be a really good team this year, and it might be a little bit of both, Jimmy and Trey. Time for one last break. We'll get to last call. That guy right there. He's just talking to him. Let's see Ruben on. I'm here. Next. Timothy. I feel like we should make this a thing. Tweet yeah. of the day, Jesse. Uh, before we get to last call, Pierre, can someone ask Glenn Grunwald to get out of the yeah, microwave? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. We had some difficulties with the phone with Glenn Grunwald. Uh, so I like that. Maybe that'll be a thing. Tweet of the day. Yeah. Pierre gets the first The time. microwave makes everything static. Yeah, I was saying to you during the break that sometimes when I'm at my headphones in, Bluetooth? Walk by Bluetooth and yeah. you walk by the microwave. Yeah. It gets a little freaky on you. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. I still don't really understand. That big, thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't either. I just don't like it. It seems weird. Yeah. I'm like with like you it on shouldn't that one. be happening, you know? Yeah, no, I got you. Uh, okay. I have a tweet mm-hmm. as it pertains to Canadian soccer. Right. And it is not from Alfonso Davies. It's from the starting lineup. Hey, there you Team go. Team Canada starting right, lineup ahead of tonight's matchup with El Salvador for Canada. Here we go. Atiba Hutchinson, Milan Borian, Alistair Johnston, Kamal Miller, Stephen Vittoria, Stephen Yastakio, Junior Hualet, Tejon Buchanan, Jonathan David, Jonathan Osorio, Richie Larea, Kyle Laren is a substitute. Your mm-hmm. thoughts, Timmy? Uh, so Osorio goes in primarily as the replacement for... Um, Davies, and, yeah. and that's what I thought might happen here on the left side. The other part of this is outside is Stacchio, maybe Alistair Johnson, and Richie Larea. Like, those are the only ones on this list who have started every game. And I know that um, John Herdman said coming into all of this that he's going to have to use different bodies and that you're going to need depth. Well, that will be tested right now. So, interesting to see uh, a little bit of a different lineup and Kyle Lowry not starting. But Mm -hmm. to play three 90-minute games in seven days, that's a lot to ask anybody. Yes, the depth is going to have to shine through for Canada. They're going to make some noise. Big three points. Big three points. Big three points. 7.30 Eastern right here on Sports. Here we go now. Okay, uh, moving on with last call. Plenty Mm -hmm. of big names on hand. 
No, I don't. Okay. I don't know what okay. you're talking about. Uh, plenty of big names on hand in Cooperstown today for Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame induction. Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, and Ahmad Rashad all there to support Jeter. Also in the crowd, Jeter's nephew, Jalen Martin, who famously yes. and adorably yes. tipped his cap to his uncle at Jeter's final game in 2017. So the question is, who's your favorite fictional uncle? Uncle Rico, Uncle Jesse, Uncle Leo, Uncle Timmy, which is yourself, Uncle Phil. Uncle Wait, Fester. I was waiting until you got to Uncle Phil. Isn't Uncle Phil the greatest uncle of all time? I mean, I mean that's a pretty I'm good Jesse, uncle. Uncle Jesse, John. I mean, you're Stamos, West Philadelphia, stud. born and raised, and yeah. then you don't have much growing up, and yes. you get to move to Beverly Hills, and not only that, you get the lessons taught by Uncle Phil. You, your dad doesn't want to stay. Oh, that's the best and, scene. Yeah. And yeah. he and who's there for you? Uncle Phil, uncle Phil with yeah. a big hug. From that bear man, I think Uncle Phil is the correct nice. answer to that question. I like it. Uh, okay, there was no 2021 Hall of Fame class as no players got the required 75% of the vote. Next year will be the final chance for controversial candidates Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. And it will be the first year on the ballot for David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez. What are you chuckling at? Uh, are these guys ever going to get in? Probably not, right? What's the list again? I'm just distracted for some reason. I don't know why. So the, the list was Ortiz, the Bonds, Clemens, Schilling. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Ortiz and uh, A-Rod. Have, okay, have you noticed? Uh, I got a tweet from Duncan in the middle of all this and says, the guy sitting behind Jesse looks shook. Hurry up and introduce him so he can relax. I don't there's, know what you're talking there's, there's, Do you know who that is behind oh. me? That's Kevin. Okay. Is there a... Uh, Significance? There's there significance yeah. that Kevin's sitting behind me. Yeah. Kevin is training, mm -hmm. uh, has been training the last couple of days, and Kevin's going to be sitting in this spot right. Thursday, Friday, which is tomorrow, and Friday while I'm on my bachelor party. So can, can he talk, or is that, that uh, what's up, is that is that uh, just pounds? No. So yeah, he's, you know when no, he's, someone you know when someone says uh, Kevin's going to be shadowing you, it doesn't mean that he has to literally sit in the shadows. You realize that? Oh, we thought that was the whole point of it. Isn't what? It's, it's a job. It's job shadowing. No, come on. Where's Where the microphone here? We have a. We had a. And a mic. You got it. We're not even done. Mickey. We got a lot to get. You got hands here. or what? Hey! Oh, look at that. Mickey's got Good. hands. You want me to turn it on? What's going uh, on? Hello. There hello. You go. Hi. Love. How was my shadowing so far? Very good. Okay. I didn't even know you were there for good. the longest Perfect. time. Perfect. It yeah. was kind of creepy for a while. I enjoyed it a lot. And I figured we'd go when the first tweet came in. Congratulations to Duncan. That's Thank Kevin you, Duncan. Mickey. He'll be here tomorrow. I'm totally fine with you sitting there the rest of the Just way. trying to drink it all in yes. as it happens. Of course. As Love it tastes. It. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Good. God. All right, let's continue. Went there. Okay. <laughs> Got about uh, four minutes to go. Plenty of Maybe speculation. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Takes. Uh, plenty of speculation Takes. about Dame Lillard's future. But today, the Blazers All-Star posted this photo on Instagram with the caption, Back for more. Rip City is my city. The 31-year-old signed a four-year, $176 million extension in 2019 that keeps him under contract until the 2023-24 season. Mm. Is he going to finish that contract in Portland? Yeah, I feel like he's he's the one to do it, and I'm glad that, um, listen, it feels like this is the future, even though Kawhi Leonard left Toronto. The last couple of big-time stars have chosen to stay at home. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee and now Dame Lillard in Portland. And I I wouldn't have blamed Dame if he wanted to leave. And it's this kind of class and dignity that gives him a little bit of leeway, to be honest. 
Like, there are other players who have stayed in spots and gotten absolutely killed for not making it beyond a conference final. And Dame's kind of escaped that because he stayed in the spot that drafted him and because he has the class and dignity that he has. So I think this gives him a little more leeway, and I hope Portland's able to surround him with a little bit more. Yeah, it seems like the Bucks were able to surround Giannis, and obviously it worked. And yeah, but it, like we weren't convinced completely, right, Kevin, that the surroundings <laughs> around Milwaukee were going to get Giannis to yeah. a final? Yeah, uh, this one's for Duncan. Duncan, I'm not that shook. And... Uh, <laughs> I just yeah. want to say that I think that Dame actually will be leaving Portland at some point. He oh, seems like the ooh, kind of guy. Counter take. He seems like the kind of guy that it's going to be inevitable that if Portland doesn't advance as far as he wants them to, he's eventually going to say, it's not going to happen. I'm ready to move on. Let's move on to a contender. So Dame could be the But he's been in that finish. spot for a while. And how much longer does he want to stay there? He signed the contract. Yes, Four he's years. got he's got his money. <laughs> yes. Somebody else will be willing to take on that oh, money. Should Dame remain whatever. Dame? I like that. Ryan. Brought the takes. Yeah. We asked him for the takes. And he brought the Hot takes. Take too. All right, moving From on. the shadows. And sticking the man with basketball. shadowing. Job. Jesse Rubinoff. That's job shadowing. Kevin. All right, go ahead. He's doing the literal form of job shadowing. Uh, in other news, mm-hmm. NBA news, Kevin Pangos. Has reportedly signed a two-year, $3.5 million deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. The 28-year-old went undrafted out of Gonzaga in 2015 and has spent the past six seasons playing in Europe, earning an all-Euroleague first-team selection last season. Will the game translate to the NBA? Yes, because he's remarkably smart, and I love the the grind and the hustle that got him to this point. It's so funny because I was looking down at the tweets, and I wish I could find it now, but I saw Kevin Pango's tweet pop up on our timeline. Someone saying, why haven't you guys talked about Kevin Pango signing with the Cleveland Cavaliers yet? And uh, Jesse's got you covered. I mean, these are big shoes to fill, Kevin. Do you see that? I mean, immediately someone tweets in and says, we got to get Pango's. And Jesse's got it. I'm trying to find the tweet. Uh, I got it. It's uh, from Lloyd, who says, uh, Tim and friends, speaking of Campbell, K. Pangos just signed a contract with the Cavs, according to Woj. So there you go. Lloyd, you've got your answer immediately. Rubinoff, Mickey, those are big shoes to <laughs> fill. That's what you got to do on this Tim and friends role, digital producer. You give Lloyd what he wants. You, you hit that table. Is your hand okay? My hand's always okay. You hit that, you hit that heart. This is the kind of stuff I'm going to have to prepare for. You're going to have to, yeah. yeah. Thursday, Friday. Thursday, Friday, we'll be jumping in. Uh, I love the signing. I think he's a really smart player. I don't know how they'll use him in Cleveland, but good on Holland Landing. Shout out. Kevin Pangos. Holland Landing. Uh, What do we think about tonight? We think Manoa's had a couple weird starts and a couple great starts in his last four. So what do we think tonight? I think he rises to the occasion. In New York. And the Jays get another opportunity to climb a little closer. Great night on the Sportsnet family and channels. Jays and Yankees. And on 360, it's Mercury in the Dream, WNBA. Canada, El Salvador on Sportsnet 1. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Mickey, you're in! Thanks, Kev.